Tune in and listen to the Injured List podcast of the Blue Wire podcast community and proud member of the Blue Wire Hustle program, hosted by me, Brian Scott. I'm a licensed full-time physician assistant in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. I break down the latest in injury news regarding your favorite professional athletes each week throughout the year. I have all your major sports covered from the NFL, MLB, NHL, MLS, and MMA. There is not a sport or an injury that I will not cover. Get the most up-to-date info in easy-to-understand non-medical language so you can make the better decisions when placing your bets or setting your fantasy lineups each week. Check out my website at theinjuredlist.com where you can message me ideas for topics or questions and listen to previous episodes where I interview former athletes and healthcare professionals to talk about their experiences with sports injuries. Hey, everybody, and welcome to In the Clinch, the MMA podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Paul Fontaine, and with me, as always, is Ryan Frederick. Ryan, watch a lot, but a lot of little guys fight this weekend. The Bantamweights were on display in uh, UFC and Bellator. Pretty good, uh, pretty good weekend of fights, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was as I titled my Monday morning column here on on the Fight Game Media Network is a bantamweight blockbuster takeover takeover weekend and man they kind of it was it was some really strong main events on both bellator and ufc car cards and and just you know bell bantamweights in the news in the news kind of taking over both promotions this this weekend yeah no kidding i um i did not as anybody that listens to this on a regular basis would um would know i don't always watch bellator um and i was it was a particularly busy weekend for me um i had i went to two winnipeg jets games which is the first time i've gone to a live sporting event since the pandemic so um i gotta say uh and i don't know what it's like anywhere else but in winnipeg um we uh so there you have to be double vaccinated to get in the building and then you have to be wearing a mask unless you're eating so they actually have mask enforcement officers all over the place and they've got on the back of their thing mask enforcement and we were in two different sections uh, on the two different games and in both sections we had people being told put your mask on put your mask like over and over again and I got to say, there's this one, there's these two girls that were sitting directly in front of us in the first game. They were probably in their, you know, maybe late 20s, early 30s. And they're both, they both, they come in, they've eat, they got two drinks in their hands each, right? Like they're just there to, they're not even paying attention to the game. They're just there to get drunk. And so they're drinking and then someone comes up, put your mask on, you know, unless you're drinking. And then as she's walking away, she's like, we're always drinking. And then she, and then she says, uh, and then as, she, as she gets a little further away, she goes, why don't you just get a real job? And then they're like, Oh, and then she turns around and looks at her and then, and then she like puts her finger, like, come here. And they hauled her out. And then about 20 minutes later, she came back and she had her mask on the rest of the night unless she was drinking. So I don't know what they said or did to her, but, um, it got through. So I, you know, it's, I feel a lot safer about going to, uh, events now. So, yeah, well, if you come into America, it ain't the same. It ain't the same if you go to a sporting event. 
Oh, okay. Well, then maybe maybe I'll wait a bit before coming to America. Although now with the new Omicron, like who knows? I don't know when I'm going to get there. I, I hope I'll be there for in February. Uh, but everything I read about that, everything's fine. It's yeah, it doesn't. doesn't well, no, it's just the the restrictions. Yeah. No, I think the restrictions are a little bit of an overreaction based on based on the data I've yeah. read. But who knows? You know. Okay. Well, I, I, it's just, I don't want to have to get a test before like 24 hours before I leave. Like that costs like 190 bucks. And for me, that's, that's like a breaking point. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'll just wait till they change. So I'm hoping by the time I'm ready to go that they'll have changed by then. I think driving, you're still okay. You just have to um, get a test when you come back. So that I can do, I can go to a wall, you know, Walgreens or whatever and get one. So anyways, uh, yeah, I want to talk about these shows. So anyway, as I was saying, uh, busy weekend and uh, I didn't get to the Bell Tour. And I, I was also getting texts telling me I need to see the Spike Carlisle fight um, on the undercard. So I, I didn't have time Saturday. I didn't have time yesterday. Finally, this morning before work, I watched, I watched the Carlisle fight. And then I watched the um the pettis fight although i i only got through the first three rounds um before i had to go to work and then i finished after work and um my god that was a terrible fight until the finish um you know and you told me it was a must see and i'm like what the hell is it a must see for and somehow i managed to avoid it but i mean that was an all-time like great knockout um but leading up to it oh my god that wasn't a very good fight um, I uh, debatable on whether it was a good fight or not, but Horiguchi was very, very dominant in that fight. You know, you know, t- t- taking yeah. Pettis down at down at but, will and was well on his way to winning to winning the decision, winning the title. Then all of a sudden, it's just like you can never count anybody out in a fight. You know, Pettis blocks a take takedown. You know, in the fourth round, throws that high kick, misses, but then. Then comes back with that spinning back fist, and Horiguchi was out cold and down for several minutes. And what an incredible finish! No kidding. And I, I mean, so did you watch live? Yeah, yeah, I watched that. I watched that fight live. I didn't see okay. the re- I didn't see the rest of the okay. card or any other fight. Yeah, that. but the, the no the the, re- the reason I ask. I, the reason I ask is when you were first watching it, like when you first watched it live, and and I had the same experience because I didn't know what happened. Like I thought he missed the punch. Like, I mean, it was so fast and, and it just kind of looked almost like if anything, it grazed him. And then when they showed the replay, I mean, it hit him hard. But when, when it, when it first happened live, I'm like, what happened? Like, I just, it was like out of nowhere. They, like you say, RKO out of nowhere. This was a spinning back fist out of nowhere. Like, oh yeah, my God. It's, it's the craziest move that can come out of, out of nowhere. And I mean, we got a late contender for knockout of the year. I don't know if that's the knockout of the year, but it's certainly up there in the running. Well, yeah, like I don't, I mean, there, we've seen some great like knockouts and submissions and fights this year, but I, it's going to be hard to top that one. And of course you'll have recency bias as well. So, um, but yeah, that was great. The, the Carlisle fight on the undercard, I don't know if you ever, you know, went back and saw nope. that, but I mean, it was, it was a, it was a much better fight. It was, um, you know, it was back and forth, but, but, um, his, his opponent, um, 
Name, name's escaping me right now. Dan, uh, Mon- Dan Murray. Mon- Monet or Dan Murray? Murray yeah. Dan Murray, yeah. So he was dominating. Um, but, but you know, Carlisle kept fighting back. And it was it was a bit of a slugfest. But it was kind of like one of those fights where, you know, like the guy's always got a punch and chance, but he's losing bad. And it was like after the second round, it was 2017. Like the second round was an easy 10-8. And then the third round, it was kind of looking the same. And, and then Moray took him down. And then, and then somehow Carlisle like reverse position on the ground and which he had shown no ability to do up till then. And then he got in the body lock and he secured the rear naked choke and he just choked him out. And like he was getting killed. He was getting beaten way worse than Pettis was in, in the main event. Um, like he, you know, all kinds of damage and way more strikes. Like I didn't look at the strike stats, but I, I saw it with my own eyes. Like the deal that I saw in the main event was Pettis just wasn't doing anything. Like it was, you know, Horiguchi was doing all right. Like he was doing good, you know, and he's clearly winning the rounds, but it wasn't like nothing close to a 10, eight or anything. It was just, it was a one-sided fight. And the one guy was doing nothing. Like, I think he had 13 strikes landed in the first three rounds. And the fourth was probably not much busier, maybe three or four before he hit the spinning back fist. And then, you know, and then he's walking around like the cock of the walk. And the funny thing is, and and we'll get into this a little bit later, but they got that Grand Prix tournament coming up. And and my initial thought was like, you're doing a bantamweight tournament and these two guys are both going to be in it. And then who the hell, like, what's the point? You just had a like, you know, a bantamweight title fight. Now you're going to do a tournament. But now I kind of want to see this again and, you know, see if they can get to the, you know, because I mean, Horiguchi dominated this fight. And, you know, if he can avoid getting knocked out, he'll probably win again. Like, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually more interested in this Grand Prix than I was before the title fight, which I didn't think was even possible. So, um, yeah, but we'll, we'll get into that um, because I, I want to talk about USP, uh, the UFC show, UFC on ESPN 31, um, Font versus Aldo. And this was an ESPN show. And, oh, my God, this was a great show. Um top to bottom the show was like six hours it started at 6 p.m our time 7 p.m eastern and and it finished right almost exactly at midnight slash 1 a.m eastern and i i made this comment on twitter if there if there was three more fights like i was ready to go like i was not sick of watching fights when that main event ended like this uh, this show was great yeah it, I mean, it was. It, we talked about last week how the card was deep, especially for when you compare it to recent Apex Fight Night cards, and and man, just everything, everything, pretty much delivered. I can't. Uh, there was. I mean, I, I wouldn't say there was any boring fights on the card. There may may have been some fights that weren't as exciting, but but when you look at those, especially those last five fights, I mean, it just had a little bit of everything, and just just absolutely. You know, we had incredible comebacks, incredible knockouts, just and a, a fantastic main event with, you know, a living legend, probably the most respected guy in the UFC right now, Jose Aldo, having a terrific performance and just just a great overall show from top to bottom and very easy to watch, very easy to watch. Oh yeah, like even the decisions. I mean, you know, there was there were storylines in in all the decisions. Really, I mean, the only one I'm looking at, like maybe Barbarina Weeks, and I mean that wasn't a bad fight by any means, but it, you know, it wasn't you know nothing you need to go out of your way to see if you missed it. But everything else I thought was was really good. I mean the the Cheyenne Vis- Velismas and Mallory Martin fight. Like when that fight was over. 
I thought that had a decent chance of getting fight of the night. And like, there's no way it was even close <laughs> by the end of the night. It did get fight um, of the night, though. You know, did it yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They gave six. Like, how did that main event not win fight of the I mean, night? The main event was the best fight. <laughs> that's was that's the best ridiculous. Fight of the night, but yeah, it was. <laughs> But still, you know, yeah, and even uh, you know, I would even say the the, the Chad Curtis Brent, Brendan Allen fight, the Fizzy Everdell fight was incredible. Um, you know, like yeah, that 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 was that was charity. They they wanted to give her fifty grand. Um, but yeah, there was no way that was a fight of the night. Okay, but it did win, so there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so we'll talk about this main event. Um, I you know, I think uh, Aldo. I mean, he won 50-45 on two cards, 49-46 on the other. I think I had it 49-46. I gave Font, I want to say, the second. Um, but, I mean, it was I mean, it was close. And, and, I mean, I easily could have given it to Aldo. And then I think Aldo pretty clearly won the last three. And the first one was close, too. But pretty – well, the first one, the deal there was Font was, was winning, like, for four minutes and 50 seconds and then Aldo just went nuts in the last 10 seconds and and won the round and then that was kind of where things turned around and it's similar in the second round where he was out striking Aldo but all those strikes were had more impact um I I love the way I can't remember who it was E Spencer Kite I want to say because we had a back and forth on Twitter and he was he was kind of describing to me he said round two was a perfect round to score uh, or to show when you're teaching judging to like teaching scoring to judges um, because like that's you can't look at the stats you have to look at the impact of the strikes and so he was pretty adamant that Aldo had won that round too and I I got his point I just thought Font won the second round but it but it was close Aldo was clearly had the more impactful strikes it was just Font's volume was a lot more in the second I thought so um, but yeah I, I, did you give him all five rounds Aldo or? I gave Aldo all five rounds and yeah this is a prime example okay. of like when you look when you look at the stats i mean i'm just in significant strikes fine outlanded out of 149 to 86 and on total strikes i think it was oh. like 193 to 96 something like that something like that but i mean when you look at the stats you're like oh you know you know font you know how did font lose 14 out of the 15 rounds that were that were scored and that just shows that that sometimes you know font was the busier fighter and landed more but aldo's damn aldo did way more damage i mean when you look at the i mean he rocked font a lot i mean he only got two knockdowns but there was i i could probably count you know there was probably instances in every single round where aldo had font in legit trouble trouble to where he could have finished it finished it i mean i thought he was going to finish it at the end of the end of the first but you know the time ran out but just a clear i yeah. mean this is one of those like like you know like they were saying like everybody was saying and i even said to my, myself you you watch the fight and you, it's not always the guy who's landing more who's 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 winning it's the person who's doing the most damage it's all about damage dominance and duration and all three of those were aldo clearly during the during the fight i mean so it's just yeah i mean it was well he had he had damage and domination maybe not duration uh dur i mean because he because his his he had two of the three duration right. he had duration i mean you know that okay okay i mean he spent not, maybe not in the first yeah, uh, maybe not a first, but I mean, uh, duration seems to be the the bottom three of the three, but definitely in those last three. Okay, I mean, when you look yeah. when you look in the last three rounds, he you know out of fifteen out of fifteen minutes, 
the auto had officially nine minutes of control over those last three rounds. So that was definitely oh. dominance and duration. Yeah, there, that was duration for sure. There, so yeah. I mean, but and then damage. Well, damage is the most. Font was doing damage too. Damage is the is the most important, and then, yeah, Font was doing damage early in the first, and then then he got dropped and almost finished. So and and that was clearly yeah. more damage. I mean, you know, both those. No, I'm talking. Was it? Go ahead. Both those guys had broken orbital bones, so so I mean, the, yeah, I was gonna say the damage was there. Like on both. end of the end of the, I think it was the end of the third when like Aldo couldn't even open one of his eyes, yeah. and then and then and then after by the end of the fourth, like it was wide open again. Yeah. So I don't know what happened, but uh, his corner did a really good job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was great, and I think everybody now wants to see Aldo fighting for the title. But we're probably going to see Aldo Dillashaw first. I want to see Aldo Dillashaw first, but you know, I don't, yeah, yeah, I think that's the fight um, everybody wants to see. Well, no, I see more than Aldo in a well, yeah, yeah, in a title shot. Well, I, I guess my point is like they want to see him get get to the title shot, so he's got to get through Dillashaw to get yeah. there. Um, I, I, you know, I think it, Aldo winning the bantamweight title in 2022 would be a pretty incredible story. Um, so, you know, and, and it's a distinct possibility, honestly, because I don't know that he's ever looked better than he looked here. Cause font is not, um, font font is, is a serious dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, he's right underneath the elite in the division. I mean, if I'm Jose Aldo, Aldo, I take, you know, a week to recover and then I stay ready because, you know, as we've seen with the, yeah. Aljamain Sterling, he's still not cleared to compete. And I mean, word is it's just kind of like one of those formality kind of things. But until he's officially cleared to compete, to compete, I mean, you know, you never know what could happen. And there's talk of uh, Sterling and, and Jan in March or April. And then Dillashaw had recent knee surgery and there's kind of no timetable when he's going to be ready. So, I mean, and we've seen Sterling and Jan twice already twice already fall apart so i mean if aldo stays ready he could be yeah. right there i know he's got that loss to yawn but he's looked so much better since that loss to yawn it could be a completely different fight or it could go the same way because john's just an incredible fighter but but i mean yeah if i'm aldo i stay ready because he could he could slide in there in the next few months depending on you know if anything you know the the way the craziness between between trying to book sterling and yawn has been if I'm Sterling, I don't want no part of Aldo. <laughs> I just like that. That's a bad matchup for him. Um, obviously, Jan and, and Aldo, we've seen already. And, and you know, and, and like you said, Aldo might be better now. He's more used to the weight class and, um, and you know, and he's he's kind of getting into his rhythm. But I, I just, I don't know that Sterling would be able to handle the, the power of Aldo. So... Um, and we had a pretty great co-main event too. Uh, Raphael Fizeev and Brad Riddell. Um, this was almost as good as we were hoping it would be. Um, Fizeev got a knockout in the third round uh, with a wheel kick. I think, I'm having a hard time remembering. I think he won the first two. Um, he won the first mistaken. two on all. Th- Actually, watch this won, live. You think I remember? He won the first two on all three scorecards, but the fir- first round was close. I actually thought Riddell won the first round, but. You know, right. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I think we had uh, our scores both made the screen on that one. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but what a great finish! Um, just kind of another one, kind of out of nowhere. Not quite as um, distinct as the uh, Pettis one, but not far off. Honestly, it was. Uh, it was a wheel kick, and he just dropped him. And Riddell kind of looked like 
I think, was it, I don't know if it was this one or the crude fight where I said he looked like a chalk outline when he was lying on the ground. It might've been um, the crude fight, but, but, but yeah, Crude's had a couple of bad knockouts <laughs> in his last couple funny, or a couple of bad losses. I the funny say. thing about this fight was we talked about last week, how, how the uh, over under on this fight was two and a half rounds. And you, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you were saying two twenty. Yeah, you're saying go the, go the over because that one's probably going the distance. And here it is. It's 10 seconds before the, no, no, it was all the font. I said that on, I thought you it said it on this. I don't know, but we almost talked, positive. we talked about prop bets, prop bets, you know, like, like yeah, I, I'm almost positive. It was all, I mean, I'm almost positive because this one I could have easily seen those it prop better. But those yeah. prop betters got it, you know, pretty much on right on the line there. Yeah, so that's a that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, this is a great fight, and uh, I mean, they were both just hitting each other hard, hard. But it seemed like neither oh. one of them wanted to do serious damage because you know they are friends. You know, they have trained together in the past yeah. and all that. But uh, Fiziev, I mean, that wheel kick landed flush, and then it, it took like it was kind of one of those like flash kind of things where Riddell just kind of stood there. Oh, ate it, and then all he of a sudden the, he had that the, reaction, reaction, did the skanky dance, reaction, yeah. and he like put his hands up, like no, like don't hit me, and that's when like the fight was stopped. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, yeah. it just like it, yeah. it's like it took. Oh yeah, he had that. Yeah, it's like yeah. it took a second for his brain to register what had just happened, and after that it was just like it's like no, no, don't hit me anymore. I'm done. You know, it's but a great yeah. fit. He put his hands up, and and it was like somebody. I I made the comment. I said it was like ASL for no moss. Yeah, it was um, like, and uh, and then you know I think it was I, like in it was like in a horror movie. Whenever the whenever the killer is yeah. coming after coming after his next target, and the target's like putting their hands up, thinking that that's gonna stop them from you know from a knife going into their into their body. But it's just a it's a great finish and a, a great showing by Fiziev. Hi y'all, Double G here. My co-host John LaRocca and I have been re-watching episodes of 1997 Raw, the turning point year for the WWF, and reviewing those episodes on Fight Game Media Network Plus in 2022. We'll do the same thing with 1998 Raw. So if you miss some of the golden years of the WWF, come hang out with us every week. We'll break down the shows and the pay-per-views as well and give you context and insight through our research that will take you right back to that time frame. It's wild watching these shows back with current eyes. Subscribe at patreon.com front slash fight game media. As I get older, I'm, I'm in my mind, I mix up some of these fights. And I think it was the Brendan Allen fight where he had the skanky legs right before the knockout yeah. where he got hit and then he kind of backed up and then did the little dance and <laughs> backed up into the cage and, and you knew it was over. Um, yeah. And then we got, we just mentioned it, uh, Jamal Hill, forty-eight second knockout of Jimmy Crute. Uh, Hill is is a bad dude. <laughs> not, not much else to say there. He hits hard. He hits hard, and yeah, and I mean, and Crute's face at the end of that fight. I mean, he got dropped twice, and and his face. I mean, for a forty-eight second fight, you, this guy looked like he'd been in like a like a twenty-five minute war. It was just so be, beat up, and he'll look like just didn't even have a mark on him. And you know, just oh, this right hand of death put crew down once, and then it put him down again, and it's all over. And God, what a showing by Hill! 
That's that's tough. I mean, you know, that's two straight like really bad losses for Crew. Yeah. I mean, they're you know, and to good guy, good guys, but um, you know, he uh, he's gonna have to take a step back now he's, and uh, you know regroup. He's, and he's still twenty five years old and has tons of potential. So I mean, yeah. I think we'll I think we'll see him back in the mix eventually. It's kind of what I you know oh, I yeah. look at him like you know Dominic Ray is kind of like you know guys who are still good but just got a bad batch of opponents and now it's like you know regroup come back yeah. you know yeah yeah he's and he's uh you know he's he's real important for that market uh in australia when they start running shows there again and um you know and, and real well-spoken guy and and good look and yeah he's you know they're looking for a guy in that area so yeah he'll, very, he'll just need very top of the people. line mullet game on top of that too that mo- oh yeah well, the mullets were zero for two on this on this show. Um, Brandon Allen had the killer mullet too, and then Mickey Gall had kind of had the front mullet. <laughs> He's got the, the hair going over the front. He, I don't even know what the hell is going on with him. Uh, we got a great fight: um, Clay Guida and Leonardo Santos. Oh my God, Clay Guida! I think he got finished like three times in the first round, uh, but he just, he didn't quit and the ref didn't stop it. So he kept fighting. Um, Santos basically punched himself out um, trying to get the finish. And I mean, like I said, a lot of refs would have stopped it. Um, and, but this ref didn't. And, uh, and then, you know, by the end of the round, Guido was coming on strong and I saw somebody make the comment that they hadn't seen a 10, seven round turn into a 10, nine round uh, by the end that they could remember. The only one I could compare it to, I'm trying, I'm looking it up right now. There was a fight with Neil Magny a few years ago. I don't know if you um, remember the one I'm talking about. Um, trying to remember. Hector Lombard. You remember that Which fight in, uh, in, in 2016 um, where like, Hector Lombard was killing him and then he punched himself out and then Magny came back. And then by the, by the end, like by the third round, it was 10, 8, 10, 8, 10, 7, the other way, like where Magny was just, just destroying him. And that was pretty much it for Hector Lombard. We almost never saw him again. Um, But this kind of reminded me of that. Um, And yeah, it was basically, and then in the second round, you know, Guido just came on strong and, you know, beat him down and then got the submission, rear naked choke, like Santos was done. Like, you know, but by the, by the end of the first round, like, even though Santos had won the first round, like you knew Guido was going to win, whether either he's going to win the next two rounds or he was going to finish them. But um, Santos clearly had nothing left. And Guido, you know, I think he's turned 40 today, I think, if I'm remembering right. Is it today um, or like the eight, so, something like that? The eighth. You're right. It's the eighth. It's the eighth. Yeah, I just looked it up. So, yeah, I mean, nice, nice uh, way to go out of your 30s. And uh, he looked great. I, I thought it was funny. He comes out with his brother, um, you know, Jason, who, you know, they, you know, he's been cornering him forever. These two used to look like twins and now they don't look like they're even related. I, I don't, you know, Guida's, you know, uh, Jason's put on a few and uh, Guida is still just, you know, like a killer at uh, almost 40. This is great. Yeah. I want to, first I want to say uh, Keith Peterson did a tremendous job refereeing in the, in this fight. You know, he's got that, he's okay. got that no nonsense nickname, which if, if you saw earlier in the Manel, early on the card in the Manel cop fight, he kept telling cop to get back, get yep. back. And he was getting more serious right before the fight. He was like, get back. Like, like give it yeah. an eye on the intro. Yeah, yeah. Not tell, you know, living up to the no nonsense, but, uh, 
But, you know, you saw that, you know, Guida looked look to you like Guida might have been out a few times. I don't think he was out. He was constantly, like, squirming on the ground looking for that leg. And I think he was coherent all the times. And, yeah, a lot of referees probably would have finished it. But I think, you know, letting it go was actually the right call because Guida was still moving around and around. And, yeah, he was hurt and eating a lot of shots, but he was still – Working, we see a lot of times where you know guy guys will get, be eating a bunch of shots while they're trying to grab that leg and go for a takedown, and the fight will be stopped, and you're wondering what the heck's going on. But uh, I thought Keith Peterson did a great job in letting it go. I mean, sometimes you know a guy like Guido, who's been in a lot of a lot of wars and a lot of battles, sometimes you give that guy a guy like that a little bit more rope rope to you know to yeah. lean on. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like you know, to come back from like a surefire ten eight to to you know winning the round at the end and Santos was punched out and Guida just took him down right away in the second and then submitted him which I think that's the first time Leonardo Santos had ever been submitted in his career yeah first time ever and I he's, think you are right and he's yep. Abu Dhabi world cha- <laughs> world champion in jiu-jitsu and like you know a, ri- a ridiculous you know black belt black yep. belt you know kind of it kind of reminded me of. That's the second time we've seen that now. Who is the other Rodolfo guy? Rodolfo Vieira, but I mean, but at least, but this one was yeah, like yeah, Clay yeah. Guida, a guy who's got who's got yeah. a million fights, you know, as opposed yeah. to as opposed to Anthony Hernandez, who had like ten fights on his, you know, in his career. So, but uh, but yeah, just I mean, just. I think they comp- I think they compared this one to Flo- I heard Hernandez's name yeah, on the show. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it was in this fight or but, if it was something else. But man, Clay Guida was just the happiest guy in the world after that fight. You know, showing off that ring that the UFC gave him, gave him as a birthday present, and just yeah. calling out his parents and his best friend. On, you know, in the crowd, and just I mean, how I mean, we've been waiting to kind of see like a Clay Guida fight where he kind of. Fights like this, it cuts, you know, one of those classic, fun Clay Guida post-fight interviews where he just seems so happy, and this was one of those, and it was an absolutely great moment. This was his first submission win in almost 11 years. Um, the last time was uh, Takanor Gomi at UFC 125. January first, twenty eleven. Which is crazy. Which so is crazy because he's got fourteen submission wins, but. Yeah, but that's the last one. If I'm looking at this right, um, yeah. yeah, decision, uh, decision, 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 <laughs> decision, punt, you know, knockout, decision, yeah, decision and submission on this show. Yeah, so he submitted himself a couple times, but uh, he hasn't got a submission. Yeah, so that was um, that was something else. And uh, you know, big. I don't think he's ever going to be a title contender again. But damn, you know, you put him on a card and you just, you know, there's so many fun fights they can do at at 155 uh, for him. And uh, I, I think everybody's looking forward to the he's next just, fight. Um, I mean, maybe him and maybe we'll finally see that cowboy. Uh, nah, I mean Guido, Guido was reaching for the sky and wanting you know wanting Nate Diaz again, which I mean he beat Nate Diaz yeah, a yeah, long yeah. time ago, long time ago. But you know Guido's a lot like Jim Miller, these guys who've just been around forever, and you and just kind of when you think they might be winding it down and coming to the end, they just show that hey, we still got years left to give, left to give, and it's always great to see. So, so yeah, just just a great yeah. moment. Yeah. 
right. And then, oh, this was this might be like my favorite story of the year. Uh, Chris Curtis and Brendan Allen. Uh, we talked a lot about Chris Curtis last week. I, I mistakenly called him Chad Curtis on uh, Twitter because the, the baseball player. But this is Chris Curtis. And you called uh, him Chad Curtis he, earlier uh, on a show he, too. <laughs> yeah. Did I really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I that's just that's just a mental block I'm gonna have. Um, but yeah, Chris Curtis. Um, it, just incredible story. I mean, he's a regional fighter, welterweight, takes a late notice fight to fight at middleweight, gets a knockout. Month later, he comes back and he does it again. And we we said he was free rolling, and the free roll kept going. Uh, you know, he uh, he got a fifth. I think he got a fifty k bonus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, what a what a great story and such a likable dude. Like, you know, he did his post fight promo and everybody loves him. And, uh, you know, and, and I mean, I don't know, like maybe he stays at 185, maybe he goes back to 170. But either way, you know, like he's going to have so many fans for his next fight. I'd love to see him fight in a, like a real, you know, in, in front of real fans because uh, I, I have a feeling this guy. Well, I guess he did it in his last show, but um, I think he's going to be really popular. Um, you know, like, because it's such a great story. Oh yeah. To come in, you know, taking two short notice fights. So this, I mean, I mean, and look at the two fighters he fought, Phil Halls and Brendan Allen, who are like ridiculously oh. great prospects. I mean, Brendan Allen, we're talking about how he was six and one and Phil Halls was unbeaten in the UFC. And both these guys looked like potential title challengers. And Chris Curtis, you know, just one of those guys like veteran of the sport who, you know, has had, He's been through. He's been through it all and seen everything. Seen everything. I mean, you can't. You know, and one of those guys you can't really count out. And we, you know, I thought I was the one who coined the free roll thing just because, just because you know he was you know talking about you know he's talking about when before he took the Phil Halls fight how he only had ten dollars to his name and after this and after the bonus he goes it's like it's like I'm far from broke now you know talking about just you know like you know <laughs> you know how, how his life is turned around basically in a in a month with this and just you know he's uh, there was a sixth fight sixth fight this year overall if you include the regional scene and it was they've come in in technically three different weight classes even though one of his fights was considered a light heavyweight fight but i think both guys weighed like 195 so whatever whatever but uh but yeah, yeah. but six and oh and five knockouts and then you know beating guys who were combined like i think like 10 and one in the ufc see like you know this you know this is a great story him him and Chris Barnett are kind of two of my favorite stories of the year when it comes to Huggy Bear. UFC, UFC fighters, you know, just guys who've been around forever, who you never thought would ever get the, get the spotlight on the UFC stage. And they've made, they've made the most of it and are now just kind of hardcore fan favorites. Well, and I mentioned it last week too, um, that, you know, when you look at Curtis's record and he's now 28 and eight, so, I mean, that's not bad, but those eight losses are better than they look because a lot of those early fights he had were against guys that eventually made it into UFC and like decent names like Bilal Muhammad, you know, like he's, he's, he's got a loss to Bilal Muhammad on his record, like way, way back. And, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Galicio, who had, you know, a little bit of a run in UFC and Forrest Pets, Nashawn Burrell, like these are guys that, you know, had a few fights in UFC and, and then, you know, he, he had to fight them early on or, you know, maybe he's got, you know, like a 32 and four record and all of a sudden you're looking at him a lot differently. So, um, yeah, uh, just a great, great story. And, uh, hopefully, you know, I, I guess he's probably going to get a 
pretty decent fighter for his next fight and maybe he'll get you know well he wanted to fight on the next pay-per-view in two weeks so we'll see yeah. <laughs> um that would be a hell of a story yeah, yeah, yeah. if that happens yeah, yeah. i don't think it will it happen no i don't think so but uh you know it'd be nice if he got a bit pretty of sure he's time. and he's got some i'm money pretty now, sure so. he's under a medical suspension but anyway so oh is he okay yeah, yeah, because he did take some damage there. Like this, you know, we talk about it like it, you know, he just knocked him out right away. But he was probably losing the fight before he got the knockout. Um, you know, it was close. I mean, you know, it was. I, yeah, I can't remember if I gave him the first round or not, but it was. Um, yeah, it, it was a great story. Uh, do, 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 do. No, I gave I gave it to Curtis in the first round, so I said it was close. But um, yeah, so yeah, nice nice fight. And then uh, kicking off the main card, we had Alex Morono and Mickey Gall, and uh, you know this was a good fight. Uh, Mickey Gall just you know he wasn't quite good enough. I gotta say, uh, you know I gotta do my research sometimes because I think I picked Gall in um, something. Oh, I, I do a. a a pool uh facebook pool used to do it and uh but if i had known that alex morono's dad was in the crowd and he was going to see him fight for the last time i think i probably wouldn't have picked mickey gall because <laughs> morono looked like he was on a mission and and gall was fine like he, he looked he looked good and decent but he just wasn't enough for morono and morono's a top fighter gall is uh I, I i think he's getting better every time it's just this was a big step up for him and uh you know and he's uh he's fought pretty much his entire career in ufc and and morono mentioned that in the post-fight promo and gall's still a young dude so you know again he's you know he's, he's got a name and he'll be around for a little while but good good win for morono yeah, i mean this was a by the book textbook win for morono morono you know he's very good on the feet to the point where he's underrated by a lot of a lot of people on the feet just really solid striker and gall you know gall's his striking is getting better but you got to remember this is guys who still only has i think now like 11 fights in his career career and 10 of them you know were in the have been in the ufc ufc i mean his game is the you know the grappling and the submissions and he was unable to do that and and you know morono being the talented striker was just better everywhere on the feet feet wasn't a bad loss for gall but Morono's kind of, you know, he's really underrated, underrated and wins more than he loses. And just he's really solid fighter. And like I mentioned last week, you know, he's the guy who has been coaching a lot of fighters. And, you know, he I think, you know, coaching fighters has made him a better fighter. And just this was just a very clear win. And he should be getting, you know, a really, you know, close to a ranked guy next next time around yeah absolutely so yeah so that that was the main card and uh the prelims were pretty good too so uh why don't you just uh, take us through those prelims real quick and okay. see if we want to highlight anything. okay uh we started the card off with a, a bantamweight fight vince morales knocked out louis smoka in two minutes i mean it just that's basically something that they were trading and then morales landed a right hand right hand after they after they broke from a clinch and then finished it with some follow-up punches very impressive win win you know smoka went from a guy who was supposed to fight sean o'malley earlier this year to opening this card and you know now it's you know a loss you know it was just kind of just you know then you know 
big knockout. But second fight, uh, Claudio Puelas finished Chris Kretzmacher, submitting him in the third round. Third round with a knee bar. Not a lot to this fight in the first two round, rounds. Puelas was constantly going for the takedowns, and Kretzmacher was unable. To, you know, he he kept it. He went to the ground on the in the first. Kretzmacher was able was unable to just kind of get his striking going. Going, he's clearly the better striker of the of the two whenever they would actually engage but Puelas was constantly sp- spamming takedowns and and you know won the first two rounds and then the third round Gritzmacher was landing more but then Puelas uh, then Gritzmacher got a takedown and Puelas went for the leg lock eventually getting the knee bar in and Gritzmacher ta- tapped and uh, that's the second knee bar win for Puelas which not a lot not a lot of guys can say they have multiple yeah. knee bar submissions in the UFC and now he's got two out of his last four fights so that's pretty that's pretty impressive third fight we had this is a very interesting decision here decision here yeah. that we need to get into uh william knight defeated alonzo minifield by unanimous decision uh 29 20 all across the board uh these guys looked ridiculously huge in there especially william knight <laughs> i mean i think knight weighed in at like 205 or 206 one of those he looked like he looked like brock lesnar I'll be honest. Like he yeah. looked, he looked all a little shorter, shorter. Probably, but it, I mean, he looked two thirty five in there and just absolutely muscular and ridiculously huge. He looked like a guy like like a Vince McMahon saw him would, would be like sign this guy, sign <laughs> this guy like right now. And Minifield's a big dude too, but Knight was just. You know, massive. I mean, that's just incredible, incredible. I just couldn't get over how just big he was, but I mean, it worked because because I mean, he powered he powered Minifield around. I mean, first first two rounds are split, and the third round, I mean, Knight Knight dropped uh, Minifield in the first round late, and probably could have finished it if there was more time. And then Minifield came back in the second because Knight kind of slowed down, and Minifield was really, really he landed some hard punches, landed more, landed. More in the third round third round was the interesting round because it was a swing round uh i mean uh, knight landed good early on and then minifield pushed him against the fence and just held him against the fence for well over three minutes three minutes and minifield was landing some short punches but there really wasn't much going on by either and then they broke and knight yeah knight you know was swinging late he didn't really connect on a whole lot but but he was like trying to look impressive at the end at the end and this was weird i every single media score had it 29 20 yeah. for minifield but all three judges had it twenty nine twenty eight for night, which you really never see that much of a difference between every single media score and every single judging score. There's usually a couple outliers in there. So, so, but uh, that third round it was yeah. really, it's really interesting. Like it, it's tough to score because night, yeah, night landed more. He looked visually more impressive as he was constantly going for stuff, but Minifield had a lot of control time and you know, you know, I wouldn't say dominance, but dom- dominance maybe, duration for sure, damage no, but I mean, that's just Right. It's a weird thing. How did you feel about the third round? Cuz I know you had it for Minifield, of course. So, right. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I did score for Menifield, um, but I was close. Like I'm watching, as I'm watching it, um, I'm thinking, well, 
Like Menafield didn't do anything except hold him against the fence. So my thought was that if this was on the ground, like if he had held him on the ground, he absolutely would have won the round. And so the reason I messaged you about this was because I think you said you didn't hear it too much, what they were talking about. But on the broadcast, Michael Bisping and Daniel Cormier were doing the commentary. And Bisping was 100% convinced that Knight won the round. And Cormier was 100% convinced that Menefield won the round. And Cormier's point was what I just said. You know, if this was on the ground, um, he would have definitely won and this is the same thing he's controlling him it's just it's on the against the cage instead of on the ground and Bisping's point was he did nothing and the only but then when they separated Knight he didn't do much but he did something and so that's why you give it to Knight and but in my head I'm like I don't think Knight did enough to counteract three minutes of control time and that's why i would have given it to menifield um, i didn't actually like send in a score because i was watching on a delay but i would have scored it for menifield too yeah um and, but i kind of like i wasn't surprised that knight would won and i honestly thought it was going to be a split decision um i just assumed at least one judge was going to give it tonight and possibly even two when they said unanimous i was convinced it was menifield um, because there's no way that nobody gave this, you know, like the third round to Menifield. And, and I've never heard the two commentators argue as vociferously as they did here because they both were convinced they were right. And I just thought it was really, really interesting to see that. And the one thing I would say is I would assume most of those media members that were scoring were not there live. And so maybe it looked different on TV than it did in person. Um, and maybe they were even influenced by the commentary. Um, you know, the judges, because, you know, they, they would hear the commentary in, in a building like that. So, um, but yeah, it was a very interesting fight. And, uh, you know, and I think one that, you know, like that's, it's a textbook. Like, you know, if you're talking about judging, you got to show them this round and like figure out, okay, who won this round? And, uh, you know, because this is a classic thing that comes up all the time. And this was probably the most blatant example of it of how do you score yeah so yeah it's definitely around you could you could go 10 10 you could go 10 10 but they don't they get don't 10 10 10s. 10s, but, uh, um, but but if they did this was it i would say the different when it comes to bisping and cormier you know their differences that's the difference of you know a guy in bisping who's who's whose yep. background is striking <laughs> and a guy in cormier whose background is wrestling i mean i mean when yep. minifield had him pinned against events knight did nothing for that three minutes he did nope. nothing nothing so i mean it's it's kind of hard it's one of those like it's a very good study case for judging and it's i haven't rewatched yeah. rewatched that round again i might you know whenever i find some time because i like to study like rounds like that like you know you know there's very good example there's three great examples on this card of of you know rounds to wa- watch this one the guida first round and yeah. the auto font first round about you know how you know how you kind of score the score these you know so uh so it, i would i would actually say I would actually say round two of Aldo Font yeah, as well. well. Yeah, both the, um, both those. Yeah, yes, yeah, both those. But yeah, because there was no takedowns. Yeah. yeah, but the one thing I also I will say about this one um, with Menifield is 
I think his mistake was when they when they broke, I think he thought he had the round, so he was just trying to stay away from Knight, and he wasn't trying to do anything. And if he would have even thrown a couple strikes, it might have been enough. But he did nothing. He did. Like, I don't even know if he threw a strike yeah. in the last I mean, he minutes. looked Yeah. So that's part of the he problem. He looked tired whenever they broke, and hold up, yes. a guy that looked as massive yeah. as Knight against the finish for three for <laughs> yeah. almost three and a half minutes, that's going to tire you out. But, uh, but yeah, but just... I, I, I just kind of want to i've always got uh, topology yeah so i've always got topology up here and i'm looking at a picture of knight and he looks like booker t in his gi bro days yeah. just jacked i mean you know? i yeah. think he still looks more jacked this saturday than he did, did on that photo but uh just yeah. ridiculously huge probably probably but uh yeah anyway so the rest of these anyway, uh, back, fights back to the rest of the prelim yep. uh uh, women's strawweight fight, Cheyenne Vlismas taking the fight on short notice, scored a unanimous decision over Mallory Martin, 30-27, and then two 29-28s. Vlismas was just better all around, just, you know, outstruck Martin all over all three rounds, especially at a big third round. Third round. I mean, Martin, you know, Martin tried, but Vlismas was just better on the feet, and there was no grappling in this at all. You know, and that was if Martin nope. was going to win, win she needed to grapple. But all, all on the feet, Vlismas. You know, she's another person who was talking. You know, we remember her last pro, last post fight promo where she talked about being broke, and then after, after this one, even though, even with a performance bonus, she was talking about how she ain't broke anymore. So, so yeah, you know, maybe it pays, maybe it pays to complain about pay, pay on these shows because you know he's you know what is funny about this though was she in her promo she was talking about how mallory martin had talked to her before and says we got to go up there and try to win 50 grand for fight of the night and shan's like no no i just want to win and get my win bonus like i think the 50 grand is probably more than your win well she said she wanted (laughs) she said she wanted a performance bonus more than a more than a fight of the night bonus oh yeah yeah yeah. you're right you're right you're right it's the same thing you know just (laughs) just you know yeah you know but whatever yeah you know you know, heat of the moment. Heat, heat of the moment. You say stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense, yeah. especially, especially when you kind of saw her in a post fight promo, and it kind of seemed like all of her personal life stuff was kind of coming coming yeah. out. You know, she <laughs> she 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 talked about talked about in her post fight scrum scrum. You know, yeah. per- she's not Shane Bays anymore. No, she's not. And yeah. You can you can jump to the logical conclusion on that you know you know i, I had people ask me like she's not going by bays anymore why is that and i go like i go like yeah it's kind of easy to figure out you know we'll put it to you that way that way yeah. anyway ne- uh, next fight welterweight fight uh brian barbarina beat darian weeks uh unanimous decision 29 28 scorecards all around weeks took this fight on tuesday and he was only five and oh in his career and to jump in there against brian barbarina who is just a big time veteran who has fought guys like Colby Covington and Vicente Luque. He even dropped Luque one time, one time. And, you know, all these, you know, Leon Edwards. I mean, he's fought a lot of, a lot of, you know, he's fought three of the top four guys at 170. 170 lost all of them, but he's fought all those guys. But, uh, but yeah, to jump in and look as good as he did. I mean, weeks look, weeks look good, you know, for especially a guy who's only had five professional fights against a guy like Barbarina. But, but Barbarina's striking, especially in the third round, made the difference. Difference, you know, he rocked weeks late, late, which probably got him the third round there at the end and got a decision. It was a really good fight. Good fight. I thought it was close. 
close, but everybody everybody seemed to have it for Barbarina, and it's a good win for him. So, so then we had a flyweight fight. Manel Cop knocked out Zagas Zumagulov in four minutes and two seconds. Cop landed early, and then Zumagulov, you know, started to land, and then Cop just woke right back up and started to land more and more, and then dropped Zumagulov with a straight right hand. Zumagulov got up, and then Cop just unloaded a flurry of big punches against the fence and Zuma Gulov you know covered up went to the ground and it was stopped and cop sends Zuma Gulov back to his two wives and six kids on the losing end you know <laughs> yeah that's a story I found out today that was not mentioned I didn't even know that today. oh yeah it's Zuma Gulov he's from Kazakhstan he's got two two wives and six kids I mean just I, I would say he well that's one more wife and the same amount of kids yeah, as he's I going am. home not with a win but <laughs> He's going home with not a win bonus, so hopefully, you know, that doesn't hurt him. But uh, yeah. anyway, Cop, you know, what a – this was kind of – this was another one of those showings that we've been waiting to see see from him, you know, in the UFC – since he signed with the UFC. UFC, just an absolutely masterful performance. And he talked about, you know – How did he not get a performance uh, of the He should have got a performance like, oh my bonus. God. I don't know what the – but the, yeah. hopefully they gave him some something because he deserved one. And just – he talked about being the best flyweight in the division you know how he how that loss to to Nicolau whenever everybody in the world had it for Nicol for cop except for the judges judges you know and said that he's the best flyweight in the world and people need to be calling him out well I mean you know a couple wins he could be fighting for a title you know especially if he has has two more wins like this I mean just he looked absolutely fantastic and then our final prelim uh Dusko Todorovic finished Mackie Patolo in 4 minutes 34 seconds of the first round. They didn't do much earlier than Patolo tried for a guillotine, pulled guard, and that was a mistake because Todorovic escaped and spent the rest of the round on top, looked for the crucifix position, but ended up going to the mount and was landing a whole lot of big punches. Then took the back of Patolo, flattened him out, landed more big punches until it was stopped, and Patolo's now one and five in the UFC and probably probably saying sayonara, you know, unfortunately. But a big nice or, win for Patolo. Uh, Aloha. Yeah. Yeah. Mahalo or whatever. What a uh, whatever. Uh, 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 Todorovic, uh, if if anybody hasn't read the story that came out this morning, he was in a some kind of car incident. I didn't I didn't read the story yeah. because I was told there was graphic photos in it and I didn't really feel like seeing any graphic photos, but I saw somebody kind of post one on Twitter and I scrolled through real quick cause I didn't want to see it, but his foot was really mangled in that wreck. And it was a, kind of a surprise that, you know, he was able to fight this soon, but, but yeah, solid win for him. And, and Chris Curtis actually called for a fight with Todorovich whenever Curtis was on Ariel Helwani's MMA hour today. Cool. So that could be next, but yeah, solid prelims, cool. solid yeah. prelims, nothing, nothing really bad on the card. So Chris Curtis is going to fight at middleweight again, eh? Yeah, I, yeah. Keep keep the free roll going. Hey, keep I mean, you know, if, if he doesn't feel undersized against some of these guys, and you know, maybe it's the right move. Yeah. Why he's not? He's been knocking these. He doesn't. He didn't look small. He's been, Actually, no. You know what? I shouldn't say that. He looked. He looked a full weight class smaller. Than yeah, now. he looks smaller right now. But hey, if he's finishing these guys, gives him confidence. So yep. let him do it. Absolutely. 
Maybe I'll fight comms out one day. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, the performance bonuses went to Fizayev, Jamal Hall, Clay Guida, Chris Curtis, and the, as we mentioned, the fight of the night to Mallory Martin and Cheyenne Vlismas. And that was UFC on ESPN. Uh, we don't have any viewership numbers. Those will be out Gotta tomorrow. think an Aldo fight probably did a million. Those will be out tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I think it'll do a million viewers. I think it'll do a million. Um, you wanted to okay, Bellator. I'm just looking. There's nothing on Bellator we need to talk about other than what we already did. Um, yeah, because Kai Kamara got a win. I only saw the main event, so yeah, yeah. Well, I just I'm looking at the results. Kai Kamaka from UFC uh, got a win. Our Josh Hill um, got a second round KO uh, over Jared Scoggins. He's a friend of the site, kind of. And Johnny Eblen was the undefeated prospect on the prelims, and he got a knockout in uh, 111. So he's 10 and 0 now, and uh, I think he's had uh, two knockouts in his last three fights. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, so that was Bellator. So they announced this bantamweight tournament, and um, and I you know I referenced it earlier. This is going to be starting next year, and uh, the eight man Grand Prix. So we've got the two guys that fought in the main event are going to be in it. I assume probably on opposite sides of the bracket. Or maybe they'll do the gimmick like they did last year where everybody picks their opponents. Um, the other fighters in it are former champ Juan Archuleta, Rafael Stotts, Patchy Mix, who I think they showed uh, Archuleta and Mix on the broadcast, Magomed Magomedov, Leandro Higo, uh, and James Gallagher uh, from, uh, you know, that's a from Conor McGregor's camp. And they haven't announced anything. They're going to have tournament alternates. This will be a really, really good tournament. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you, so, okay. So you're saying, oh, I see both promotions. I'm, I'm reading from your column here. And you're saying bantamweight is the deepest division in the sport. I thought you were saying Bellator's bantamweight division is the deepest in the sport, which I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but probably <laughs> their deepest yeah, division if, if you, the, if you, that they have. I think if you were to combine all major promotions, promotions rosters yeah. into one one bellator or i mean bantamweight would probably be, be the deepest right now yeah. just because i mean it's loaded with all sorts of talent both yeah. both in the ufc and bellator and on these regional promotions it's just it's a crazy division right now it's yeah, no, this will be a lot of fun and these tournaments you know they've worked out not too bad um i think we're did, did we finish the light heavyweight tournament or we still have the, the, the still finals the, coming up? Still have the finals coming up. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they've worked out pretty well so far. Um, and, uh, you know, I assume they'll probably do the same thing as before, you know, a million dollars to the winner or something. I, I kind of like tournaments, you know, as as anybody that's listened to me for a while knows. So it, it makes me more interested in, in the fights. And the fact that they're five rounds and they put up the title, you know, in Bellator in their tournaments, I like that too. So, yeah, we, we got that to look forward to. Um, anything else you wanted to add about the um, – about that? No, I mean, it's just, it's the top eight bantamweights, you know, on the rankings. I mean, technically, technically it was the champion, the challenger this week, <laughs> and then the top six, top six, because Horiguchi isn't, yeah. isn't ranked yet because, but he, but he'll be up there. So it's basically, it's the top eight guys in the, divi- in the division. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, you have these outliers, like let's start a light heavyweight heavyweight grand prix and put our three our uh, two new signings who haven't even fought for the promotion in it in you know in romero and rumble but these are you know the legit top eight guys in bellator so should be fun and they should have they should have a couple good alternates like josh hill and a few other guys you know just that are really good i mean their division was deep enough to where they could have probably did did a 16 man but this eight man you know with the strength of these eight is probably the better call 
The fact that Josh Hill isn't in the tournament speaks to the depth because he's he's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah, so we have uh, coming up this weekend uh, from uh, the last pay per view of the year for UFC is uh, UFC two sixty nine from uh, the T Mobile in Vegas. It's a double main event. Um, Oliveira Poirier for the lightweight title. Nunez and Pena. Nunez can finally shut her up. Um, for the bantamweight title, uh, not not biased at all here. I'm just calling it as I see it, and uh, yeah, and then you know a pretty good uh, you know fights on the rest of the card. Not quite what we originally had with Masvidal and um, uh, and Edwards, but we got Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, Kai Car France and Cody Garbrandt, and Sean O'Malley uh, you mentioned earlier, and Raulian Paiva. Uh, pretty pretty good card to close out the year. Oh yeah, sorry, I was getting something to drink. Uh, yeah, just sorry. I am looking forward to this main event probably more than any fight coming up right now. Yeah, I, I just love it, and it's it's weird because I don't really, especially right now, I really don't want to see either one of these guys lose because both of them just have great stories right now. I mean, Oliveira coming back from you know. You know, a guy who was supposed to be fighting for a title eight years ago to being a being a champion after having a five hundred, having a record, having a run where he was just you know where he won, won where he lost as many as he won, and then winning eight straight, and then beating Michael Chandler to to finally become a UFC champion, and then he gets then his first title defense is against. Dustin Poirier, who might be the, the – if you look at – if you were to make a list of best fighters to never hold an undisputed title, we'll throw the fact that Poirier have an interim title out the window. Dustin Poirier yeah. might be the top of the list of best fighters to never win an undisputed UFC title. And, you know, coming off those two big wins over Connor, I think he's a much bigger star. I think he's a superstar now. Now, if you kind of look at – at, you know, a little bit of the YouTube stuff coming in, coming into the show. There's not a whole lot, a whole lot to go by, go by. You know, there's just the countdown stuff, but seems to be a lot of interest in Dustin Poirier right now. So, so yeah, uh, as far as who's going to win that, I'm going back and forth, back and forth on it. I mean, yeah, Oliver has just been so fantastic, fantastic, and his grappling is another level, and his striking is really good, but. Poirier's just such a dog in there, and he, you know, he fights with, with his heart on on his sleeve, and it's just he's so tough to count out. And I really, it's going to take me all week to figure out who I think is winning. If you had to ask me right, <laughs> you had to ask me right now to make a pick, I slightly lean Poirier, but man, I'm just looking forward to this fight to this fight more than anything. I, you know, Oliveira. His he's won nine in a row, and the his last loss was to Paul Felder, you know, of all people, four years ago. And at that point, he had lost three of four and four of six. And man, like he was probably one loss away from like out the door. And and then he just he went on this amazing streak, and not just wins, but like almost every one of them has been a finish. The only one that wasn't a finish, like should have been a finish, and that was the Ferguson fight. Um, other than that, he's you know been submitting everybody, and you know a couple KOs in there too. Um, 
you know, and then, you know, and then on the other side, you got Poirier, who, like you said, you know, maybe the best, you know, fighter to never win an undisputed title, probably the hardest hitter in the division, if it's not Michael Chandler. And I mean, he's had an incredible run, you know, other than losing to Khabib, he's won eight of his last nine. So I I don't know how you pick. I, I know Oliver or Poi is favored. So the way I tend to bet, I'd probably just take the underdog, um, you know, just because it pays better because I have no idea. Um, but man, what a matchup. Like it's your classic grappler versus striker, except both guys can do the other thing too. Yeah, it's just, it's such an amazing matchup. And, and it's one of those where, uh, you know, depending on the future of both men, I could see this not being the first time they fight. What What are their um like? What's their relationship like? Who's like Oliver and Poirier? Like, do they are they friends? Do they get along? Do they you know have they ever run in the same circles or anything like that? No. Is there bad blood? No bad blood. No, just full on respect. Okay. Full on respect there. Awesome. Respect there. That's all I know. Okay, you know, cool. That's all I know. You know. You know, yeah, duh, yeah, no, I just curious. Poirier, like sometimes, Poirier, sometimes there's backstories. Uh, everything I've heard about Poirier, Poirier, which Poirier, Dustin Poirier, first of all, is probably the nicest guy in the in the entire yeah. sport of mixed martial arts, and does as much charity work and stuff for other people uh, as anybody in the sport. He's, you know, he's he is the ultimate role model when you want if you're if you want to show your kids somebody in in this violent sport to look up to, Dustin Poirier is at the top of the list. Let's just put it to you that. Put it to you well, that way. And Oliveira can't be that far behind yeah, him. Yeah, but I mean... I mean, but, you just look at him. Yeah. When he puts on those glasses, about, I mean, he I'm looks like about, your teacher. Yeah. I'm talking about out, outside of the outside know, of the cage stuff, too. Stuff, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. All the philanthropy and yeah. all that. All that. Dustin Poirier is the ultimate role model in, in mixed martial arts. But, uh, but yeah, but he's also said that Charles Oliveira absolutely deserves to be champion and, and all that. So there's a whole ton of respect yeah. there. So... So, so if there's no bad blood in the main event, we we got plenty of it in the Comey. At least on one side um, we do. Amanda Nunez. <laughs> At least and, on one side we have. Some well, bad blood. I think both sides. I think I think Nunez is sick and tired of her and just can't wait I to think, shut her yeah, up. Yeah, I think Nunez. Like I, I think Nunez know. just kind of laughs at everything. Like Pena saying she's Nunez's yeah. hardest fight, and and you know Amanda Nunez is gonna know what a real fight is whenever she's in there with me, and it's just like it's almost like responding to a comedy routine. My God, like she's lost two of her last four. Like she is lucky to be in this fight, um, you know, and, you know, and they, I mean, Nunez got to fight something, but somebody, and you know what? She's doing her part to build up a fight. Yeah. I want to see it, um, you know, no, probably not for the reasons Pena wants me to, but um, I think a lot of fans are looking forward to this and maybe, you know what? It may be if Nunez has a, like a dominant win, like we all expect her to. Um, yeah. I keep saying this. I say this every time I've been saying it for, since she won the title, but at some point, I, I just I hope she crosses over and becomes a big star. But if it doesn't happen now, it probably isn't going to yeah, happen. I don't, I, unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, I don't see it happening. But she's always going to be, unfortunately, number two, which is, which, yeah, I'll put it to you this way: it says more about the UFC fan base than it does anything, anything else. Because even to these yeah. days, these women fights are respected, are disrespected by a whole lot. I mean, I mean, granted, you cannot take anything that people say on the internet serious, but even even responses to this day about women's fights are just 
are just kind of just gross, you know. It's it's yeah, yeah. It's just but misogyny yeah. runs rampant it's bad in, in the sport. UFC fan it's base. It's bad in this uh, in the sport in this fan base, but uh, but yeah. As far as this fight, I don't see Pena having anything for it, and I would much rather just Nunez just end it as quickly as possible to save us any pain yeah. from from you know juliana pena you know don't give her don't give her a reason to speak a whole bunch after the fight you know you know as far as like you know yeah. you know i was competitive blah 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 you know that all that all that sorry just juliana pena her just just her she's cringy and it's just it's yeah it's really hard to take serious if you've ever had if you've ever had the pleasure of listening to her on Combat to America's broadcast, you you've just you want to see Nunez shut up. I don't I don't have anything against um, Pena as a fighter. I think she's decent, but but she's definitely got just yeah. just delusions of grandeur, you know. So she's off putting. Yeah, I'll just yeah. I'll just say it. Um, you know, and I don't say that about a lot of women. You have your couple that you don't like, and this is the one I don't like. And there's guys too. Oh, don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. And we have our guys we don't like. I won't. Yeah, we we talk about them all the time. <laughs> I, I won't say. I just. I won't say. I don't. I don't not like anybody. It's just that some of these people I'd just rather. And yeah, I, they, know, I they, know what you mean. If they, if they were, if they went away, if they were released or retired, I want to. I want to think about them again. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Mike Perry, we're talking about you. Um, I love Mike Jeff Perry. Jeff Neal and I love Santiago. Mike Perry for, for all the right reasons, which Je- are probably the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, this is one of two fights on the card that are like complete toss-ups in the betting odds. Yeah. Um, you know, um, both are minus 110. Um, I mean... You know, Neil is, you know, famously on this show, you called him a future champion and it could still happen. I mean, you know, his losses have been, you know, to top guys and Ponzinibbio is, you know, he was probably like one win away from a title shot. And then he, you know, he got knocked out by Li Jing Lang. I mean, without that, he's, you know, he's got nine in a row. So, um, you know, this is this is a critical fight at welterweight. I mean, you know, the winner's probably in the top five. Uh, top five. Top ten, maybe. I mean, these guys are 12, 12 oh, and 14. Okay. I mean, that top five. Oh, are they? That's oh, a, I thought they were higher No, that, that top Sorry. five is ridiculous. But, uh, but yeah, on paper, it's a great matchup. Two guys who both like to swing and swing hard and hit hard and, you know, could be a knockout. You kind of got to wonder what's going on with Jeff Neal. I mean, uh, if anybody doesn't know the story, I don't know if you know Paul, but he was he had the DWI nope. arrest on Thanksgiving night morning, oh. morning. So he, I did, I did see something. About so you kind of got to wonder, you know. Hopefully, his head's on right because you know getting a DWI two and a half weeks before a fight is not an ideal situation to say the least to say the least so no so especially when you're supposed to be near the end of your training camp training camp so hopefully everything's all right there all right there and it doesn't affect his perform performance uh and if it doesn't this could be a really great fight yeah yeah i mean and and again critical fight for both guys because you know neil i mean he cannot afford a third straight loss and ponzinibbio you know he's got to kind of wipe out the memory of that ko to lee which i'm sure is just killing him at this point because that, that was a guy that nobody wanted to fight you know a year ago um because you know it was like it was all no reward and 
you know, and you potential loss because he was a name that not a lot of people knew, but he was a guy that was beating everybody. So, um, he had a tough time, you know, moving up the rankings, kind of like, uh, almost like, uh, what's his name? Makachev in, in lightweight, you know, uh, to where, you know, he just had all the tools that nobody, you know, he's just a power guy, like one of the most powerful guys at welterweight, I think. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, really looked out, forward to that one. Knocked out Neil Magny, you know, in his, you know, in his last fight before he had take, had to take all the time crazy. off, you know? So, you know, who's and nobody, nobody does yeah. that. Um, and then we got uh, Cody Garbrandt finally going to make his uh, flyweight debut, and he's got a tough uh, opponent. You know, I mean, top probably we've seen Kai Car France is top five. Right? Yeah, he's like six or seven, um, I think. I mean, it's flyweight. It's like six or seven. Okay. I think, so. well, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, but I mean, well, pretty much everybody's ranked. Uh, well, no, no, they're they're getting some depth there now. But um, Garbrandt, you know, he probably needs you know one or two wins really only to to get a you know to get a title shot. Uh, and yeah, so he's got a tough out here. Kai Car France is is not going to go down easy. Uh, but you know, we'll see if he makes weight. I mean, he's never had a problem. You know, I, he was always real small at bantamweight. I mean, he didn't look small, but, but on, you know, on game day weigh-ins, he always was one of the lighter weight bantamweights out there. So he should be okay at, at flyweight. Um, but yeah, this is something we've been waiting for, for a couple of years. Uh, kind of thought we'd see it before now, but we're finally going to see it. Okay. Here. I can say this with a hundred percent certainty. Everybody write it down, write it down in pen, whatever. Cody Garbrandt wins this fight. He's getting a title shot. 100%. Okay. 100%. Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you're Askar Askarov, if you're anybody else in the division, you want Cody Garbrandt <laughs> to lose this fight. Lose this fight because he is jumping the line. He is jumping the line. Jumping the line. He it, Had he beat Rob Font... Rob fought in May and then said he's going down to flyweight next. He would have he would have gotten a title fight. We'll put it that way. So and there was talk even after losing the Rob Font fight of him still getting an immediate immediate title fight at, in his first fight at flyweight. But no, he wants to do it do it the right way. Fight a fight a legit tough top guy. Make the weight. But hundred percent, he wins this fight. He's fighting the winner winner Figueredo and, and Moreno. But uh. It's a tough fight for his first one because Kai Kyra France is an all-action fighter, fighter who likes to keep it on the feet, which fits Cody Garbrandt's style, you know, and and hopefully Cody's chin will hold up. That's been his big question over the last couple of years because he's suffered a lot of knockout losses, losses. So very, very interesting fight, and I really think this might be this could end up being the best fight on the car, fight on the card if it you know if it stays on the feet and they just pound away at each other. Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And um, I I guess when I made the comment earlier, I was just kind of thinking logically as opposed to name value. And when you mentioned like all those fighters that he leapfrogged, in a way, they kind of would want him to get that because him as the champion all of a sudden makes those fights a lot bigger. Um, you know, I mean, no offense to Brandon Moreno or Divison Figueredo, but Cody Garbrandt is selling a lot more pay-per-view buys than either one of those two. Yeah, you could headline a pay-per-view with Garbrandt as champion and you really can't with anybody else. Yeah, so, I mean, they have, but you they, really don't want to. They, yeah. Um, 
um and then yeah rounding out the main card we got your boy uh well not your boy but you've broken news on him uh once or twice uh sean o'malley uh bantamweight prospect super prospect 14 and 1 against rowley and paiva uh this is another you know we we talked a lot about bantamweights on this show and we haven't mentioned this guy um but o'malley you know it's like you know the future uh 27 years old you know just huge fan base and they just want him to move up those rankings for sure and this is his toughest fight yet yeah i mean his fan base makes him to be a bigger a bigger deal and a better fighter than he might be at this point this is a natural progression for him i know everybody was trying to throw him into fights with dominic cruz and pedro munoz and these top 10 guys but it's like if you really i mean sean o'malley he lost not that long ago to marlon vera vera i mean you know and it was a legitimate loss it was you know no matter what him or anybody says it was a legitimate loss but now he's back in the win column i mean paiva is a guy who who when he won his uh, band white debut over Kyler Phillips. They put him in the rankings. You know, he's been bumped out since, but he's just right there on the fringe. And and O'Malley, you know, he wins here. He's going to get he'll, – he'll be ready. This is a fight to show if he's ready to make that leapfrog back against ranked competition. competition for sure, this is, you know, it's a big test for O'Malley because Piva is – is a really good underrated fighter, but he can easily be beaten, beaten. So if the O'Malley, if O'Malley comes out and looks at every bit as good as he did in July, Sean should win this fight. It's funny that you mentioned Munoz and Cruz and they're fighting on the prelims and this is on the main card. So that just tells you how UFC feels about Sean O'Malley. But I guess in a way too, it's also, you want to get recognizable names on the prelims, um, you know, to get in front of a lot of eyeballs and maybe get them to buy the pay-per-view. But I would think perhaps that O'Malley could end up fighting one of those two guys next, depending on how things work out. Um, and then, yeah, you wanted to, normally we just kind of run through the prelims real quick, but these prelims are a little more stacked than usual. So on the, uh, now are these prelims going to be on ESPN? Uh, the the four main prelims are on ESPN two. Two. Okay. Yeah. They haven't been, I guess it's because of football, right? They haven't been on, um, yeah, they haven't been on ESPN in a while, but, um, yeah, I mentioned Munoz and Cruz, but, uh, the featured prelim is actually Josh Emmett and Dan Ige at featherweight. Um, like that to me is like a fight night main event. It, it like, is definitely, and it's on the prelim. It's definitely here. a fight night main event. I mean, these are two, these are two top featherweights. I yeah. mean, and guys who have, who tend to have exciting fights. So, so, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's honestly, I honestly would have put this fight on the main card above probably Neil and Ponzinibbio, but, but I mean, yeah, but God, this is, this is such a great featherweight fight. I mean, it, it's, I mean, Emmett, Emmett's coming off of, you know, a whole lot of injuries, injuries, but when he's at his best, he hits like a truck. His last fight was that incredible fight against Shane Burgos. And then Dan Ige is coming off that loss to Korean Zombie, but before that, he had. You know, he won before that. He lost to Calvin Cater in the main event, but before, but I mean, he had won something like seven in a row at one point. So, I mean, these guys are winner of this is going to get a main event fight at that in that featherweight divi- division next for sure. 
Yeah, this this is a crazy one. This is what everyone's looking forward to. I would even say you could have even put like this and then put um, Kai Car France and Cody Garbrandt in the featured prelim would, you know, make sense on some level too. But um, they, you know, they want to get Cody on the main card and that's, that's cool. Um, then we got, yeah, Munoz and Dominic Cruz, uh, former champion in uh, Dominic Cruz, obviously, uh, you know, he's, you know, had a little bit of a rough go uh, lately, kind of a bad knockout loss. And Munoz was, you know, he's lost three of his last four, including that uh, split decision to Frankie Edgar. So, um, every time they book Dominic Cruz, I keep, you know, I'm surprised. Like I keep thinking he's retired, but you know, he got that split decision win over Casey Kenny. Uh, but that was, you know, after two losses, um, you know, he's only fought, what this is only be his third fight in the last like five years. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even really know what the point of this is other than, you know, two names on the card, but I don't see either of these guys ever, you know, being contenders. I mean, it's a, it's a fight that's certainly flying under the radar and it's a very high quality fight. And this is another fight that, that could easily have main evented of, you know, one of these fight night apex, oh, yeah. apex uh, cards. I mean, Munoz, yeah, he's lost a lot lately but when you look at the losses i mean you had that close loss to frankie edgar that could have gone either way and then you you had him lose to aldo in his last fight when aldo just looked absolutely incredible Munoz did not look bad at all in that at all in that fight he actually looked great and and the way that pedro Munoz looked he probably would have beat beaten any bantamweight not named jose aldo that night that night Munoz is a really high quality fighter and cruz i mean this is the first time in forever where Cruz has fought twice in a year, twice in a year. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, if, if Dominic Cruz is going to make one last run at that Bantamweight title, this is a, this is a very important fight because Pedro Munoz is kind of that, is kind of that guy in that division where, where if you're going to be a title contender, you have to beat this guy because this guy this guy, Pedro Munoz, is a guy who all who no matter what, he can pull a run out of run out of his ass and you know win three four fights and be right there in the title contention. I mean, Munoz is also another guy who was talking about dropping the flyweight to try to reinvigorate you know a title run. So kind of a big fight. And when you look at Dominic Cruz, I mean. Yeah, he hasn't fought a whole lot, but he's only lost three times in his career. I mean, when you look at who he's lost to, true, lost to Uriah Faber, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, uh, Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt, you know, former former champion, you know, big resume, Henry Cejudo, two division champion, Hall of Famer. So it's just like you know, so so if Cruz has anything left, this should be a fight that he wins. Actually, he has never lost a non-title fight. Yeah. 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 Uh, all three of his losses were for titles. Um, so, yeah, I maybe I was selling him a little short. You know, it just occurred to me as as you were kind of running all down all those different things. Man, it would be fun to see Cruz and Aldo at some point. Yeah. Fight kind of we, you know, never thought we would ever see because they were always in different weight classes and different methods of activity and stuff like that. But that would be like two legends um, that uh, would be really, really fun fight to see at and, some point. Kind of like the Dillashaw Aldo fight. 
we're probably going to get. And it's kind of funny where, you know, it's if Cruz wins this fight and all of a sudden Dillashaw either doesn't want to fight Aldo or, or you know, still can't fight for a while and they still want to do Aldo one more fight. That's the fight. A, that's the fight that could be made next, you know, easily. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah and then the winner gets a title yeah, shot. Yeah. Which could easily um, because, happen. Because, yeah, Cruz only really needs like Yeah. Because it could easily happen because Dominic Cruz is a UFC guy, you know, you know, he's going to, he's going to get, yeah. he's going to get easier pass than, than others would. Most, most people. Yeah. And the other big fight on the prelims, there's four obviously, but the big one is, um, Mr. Shuey himself tied to Ivasa, who's fast becoming Mr. Las Vegas. He gets on all these, uh, big Vegas cards with, you can't not have him with fans now, yeah. you know, with the Shuey gimmick, <laughs> which is, um, which is I, I guess, this is part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this fight a little bit more than just, okay. just briefly. And, and Augusto Sakai, big, big heavyweight fight. Yeah. I mean, Sakai is a guy who, who he's lost more than he's won one recently and he's suffered knockout losses. And Tai Tuivasa is a guy who has a ton of power. So, I mean, this could be, and Tuivasa is one, one, three in a row and he could, he could make it four in a row because if, if Sakai gets hit by him, Tuivasa could put him out. But I just wanted to bring this up. Like, like, uh, this show, this fight originally was scheduled to be on, Apex show a couple weeks ago, the Misha Tate show, and it got pushed back. Uh, I'll use the air quotes travel restrictions mainly, probably because <laughs> one of these people, pro- one of these two, probably isn't vaccinated to get into the country, country, but probably okay. are now. But anyway, uh, whatever travel restrictions, you know, caused the pushback of this fight to this card, it worked out because there's no way. No way, even you know, even with the UFC not running every event in an arena yet, there's no way Tai Tuivasa should be fighting in an empty arena apex show. No. He needs to be on shows with fans because he is such a great personality and he's so fun to watch. Yeah. And of course we know if he wins, he's going to get that shoey. But we also know if he wins, he's going to cut some colorful promo afterwards and he's going to get the fans all riled up. And he's just, the, he's just a guy that everybody loves and him fighting in front of fans is the only you know, is is kind of one of those like it always has to happen. Don't put them in an empty arena show ever again. Yeah, and as soon as they can run in Australia, he's got to fight there. I just, um, but I yeah. just wanted I wanted to talk about this fight mainly because of the promotional malpractice yeah. of trying to book Tai Tuivasa in an on an Apex uh-huh. card. Like, what the hell? Don't do that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so we, we got a few more prelims. I'll let you run down yeah. in a second here. But looking over the other seven fights, there's one guy on on these prelims that you know I'm looking forward to more than anyone else. We've been doing this show for a long time. Who is it, Ryan? Ryan Hall. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The Wizard. I, I just love seeing this I mean, guy fight. I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> but uh, you know, go over these. Okay. The, uh, yeah. The la- <laughs> go over these fights. The last prelim on the ESPN2 portion is a middleweight fight between Jordan Wright and Bruno Silva. Uh, it's a really good fight as well. Wright is coming off a knockout win in May over over uh, Jamie Pickett where he got a lot of attention because it was a really quick knockout. But Bruno Silva has shown to be just a – Punisher. He's won two fights, his two UFC fights by knockout, you know, with late finish, late finish in his last fight. So this one could be, you know, you know, this one's probably, you're, somebody's probably getting finished in this fight. So it should be fun. Uh, all these, and these last six fights are on ESPN plus. 
Uh, it ends with a middleweight fight, Andre Muniz against Eric Anders. That's a solid fight. Muniz is uh, fighting for the first time since he sent Jacare into retirement with a broken arm in May. And uh, Anders is taking this fight on short notice. So uh, just, hope, you know, should be a good one. Uh, we have a very solid uh, women's flyweight fight between two young prospects, Miranda Maverick against Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, from a prospect standpoint, I hate this matchup because I don't want to, I really don't want to see either one of these two lose, lose. It's also kind of one of these things where this was put together, you know, a whole bunch of replacements so that you kind of just take what you can get. But, uh, I mean, Blanchfield has both these women have every bit the chance of being a future, future champion, especially, you know, if uh, Valentina Shevchenko, you know, loses a step or, you know, just gets bored and vacates and quits or whatever, whatever. But both of these could fight Shevchenko one day. It's kind of kind of sucked to see either one of them lose. I'm really high on Aaron Blanchfield. I think she'll win this fight, but it's a toss-up to me. Uh, flyweight fight uh, between Alex Perez and Matt Schnell. Um, it's finally happened. It's probably been delayed. It's, this fight, you know, when I kind of was like looking back on the history of this matchup, it's been delayed like three or four times. It was originally supposed to happen, I think, in like August, and it's just or, or even May, and just has constantly been rebooked, delayed, but it looks like, knock on wood, it should finally happen this week, and it's a big fight. It's uh, Perez's first fight since he lost in a title fight to Davison Figueredo in uh, last November. And Matt Schnell's coming off a loss to Rogerio Bonturin in May. So, you know, both these guys need a win if they want to stay in that title picture. Uh, featherweight fight, Ryan Hall against Derek Minner. This should be all on the ground because we saw in Ryan Hall's last fight that that he could not do jack shit on the feet and he got destroyed by <laughs> Ilya Tapuria, you know, in a bad way. But at least with Derek Minner, he's got a guy who has 22 submissions in his 26 wins. So it's a guy who wants to – who and we've seen Minner before who he's a guy who wants to play on the ground. So he'll, you know, and Minner's also been submitted eight times, and you know, in his twelve losses. Yeah. So this is probably, as far as like trying to book Ryan Hall and Ryan Hall style for a featherweight matchup, this is probably as good as it gets as far as finding him an opponent that will be willing to go play with him on the ground. So should be an interesting fight. Uh, we've got a bantamweight fight: Randy Costa against. Tony Kelly Costa is a good prospect who hits hard, but he's got, he's already lost twice in the UFC UFC. I favor him in this fight against Kelly who hasn't fought in well over a year year. And uh, Costa is, is an action fighter. So this one should be good on the feet. And we're kicking it off with a women's flyweight fight between Jillian Robertson and Priscilla Cachoeira. Cachoeira, despite possibly being one of the worst fighters on the UFC roster, roster has actually won two fights in a row, surprisingly. But uh, and Jillian Robertson is on a losing skid, but I like Robertson to end her losing skid against this one and Cachoeira, which you know I'm not I don't you know I don't want to say anything more bad about her. I mean you know saying 
saying, you know, she's she's one of the worst fires on the UFC. If I were to take if I were to take the make a list of the four hundred plus fighters on the roster right now who have had at least five fights in the UFC and rank them in order, she would be near the bottom. Let's just be honest with that. So not saying anything bad and about she's her. She's won but, two in a row. Though I am. But anyway. Are those the people that the people that she beat, are they gone? Mazzani and Dobson? Uh, Dobson is. Mazzani isn't, I don't think. Oh, well, maybe. She's, she's been gone before. Um, she's so, been gone before. So Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're, we're not doing big payback this week, but prop bets. Um, Hall and Minner does not go to decision is minus 135. Jump on that because that fight is not going 15 minutes. And uh, you probably maybe want to throw a little... That I think it's plus 180 right now on Hall by submission. So, um, and uh, yeah, so that is the pre that is the prelims. Uh, stack card. We got 15 fights as things stand right now. Knock on wood. Hopefully nothing falls out because I don't actually want to see any of these fights fall out. Um, you know, maybe. Yeah, no, there's nothing here that I don't actually really want to see. So, uh, maybe Costa Kelly. It's, it's a really it's a really strong you know year end pay per view card. So. Absolutely, yeah. And we still got one more card after this. Um, okay, so we're we're uh, getting short on time, but we still got a, a loaded show this week. We got a lot to talk about. So um, we have to talk about, and God, this is one of the more surprising um, things that I saw. And when I saw it, I was convinced it was wrong because of the source, but it wasn't. And what do we got to talk about? Okay, so yeah, news, news about this broke after we recorded last week. So we haven't talked about this yeah. on the show yet. Before we talk, have to talk about segment... This week we're going to talk about Kevin Lee and his, you know, what what some people see as a surprising release from the UFC. You know, to me, maybe it was surprising a little bit, but also at the same time, not surprising. But yeah, he was released from the UFC this past week. He's uh, two and five over his last seven fights, but his five losses have been the really strong competition. Competition. Uh, he's currently under suspension by Nevada for Adderall, and he's very open on his social media is about you know needing Adderall, and you know and and he's also been drinking a lot lately, which I don't know. You know, perhaps some of that factored in. Not a good combo. So perhaps I feel like some of that factored into the release because, because yeah, Adderall isn't banned on the USADA UFC stuff, but there's some of these states where it's still banned. So, and the fact that he says like he he needs to take it and he's still gonna take it, you know, he is a he is a drug test. Uh, uh, possibility, possibility. Anytime he fight, fights, you know, which is would, which would make yeah. it's hard to book a guy when book a guy if he's if he's going to end up getting suspended for for failing the Adderall test after every time because this past time he didn't apply for a TUE which he could have, and you know it's just kind of a little stuff like that, like that. Whenever you're not doing like that, it kind of puts paints yourself in a bad bad light and. And, you know, Kevin Lee, he talked about feeling, feeling like, you know, when he was on Ariel Hawani show last week, he talked about feeling like this was, you know, political, which I can tell you for a hundred percent, they don't, they won't release somebody for their political no. views. They don't care. They don't care. I mean, Lee wants to think about that because he supported Bernie Sanders and, and, you know, Dana, you know, was a Trump supporter. Hell, hell, uh, 
I mean, Dana's bosses are, you know, quote unquote, de- yeah. lean, lean left, you know, on the Democrat, Democrat side. They don't, you know, you know, even, even they don't see eye to eye with Dana. So, so it's not, you know, it's not political and it's, there's never a political reason, reason they release a fighter, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of going to be a, it was a surprise. I think he could work his way back, but he needs to take a step back and really reevaluate himself, himself, because I've, I feel like he's done a lot more damage to, to himself, you know, you know, outside of just losing fights. Well, I, I will say, I'll make a bold prediction for 2022 and say that his next fight's going to be on, uh, uh, well, actually, okay. I gotta make sure I, I'm correct about this. It's PFL on ESPN still, or did they get a different contract? Uh, there, nothing has been announced yet. But I, okay. Well, I think he's gonna end up in PFL. I think he's gonna end <laughs> um, up in you know, and I, I think he's gonna end up in PFL is a good bet with an outside shot of maybe yeah. him fighting like for uh, Habib's promotion as Habib's promotion starts to make in oh, yeah, inroads yeah. into the U.S. U.S. He's gonna he's gonna fight yeah. somewhere where getting back to the UFC is pretty, you know, is is not as difficult as it would be if you signed with Bellator, which him and Bellator and I, him I, and Bellator talked already. Already, Scott Coker said there's no interest, and I think the no interest is because of the fact they talked already and they were apparently very far apart on what on uh, you know financially. We'll put it that way. Well, and, and yes, because his brother fights there. Keith Lee. So, um, uh, flyweight or bantamweight, I think, um, bantamweight, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that, I was, I, that, that one just kind of floored me and, um, yeah. And, and we got some news events and there's like kind of a lot of them and we all often don't have a lot of news. Um, you know, but, uh, this one actually in the first time I saw it was in your column. Um, uh, you know, obviously, I'm not as into MMA Twitter as you and a lot of other people are, but Felicia Spencer retiring was surprising. You know, um, as as you mentioned in your column, that she, uh, you know, she just come off that big win, and but she wants to start a family and doesn't think being a fighter is uh, is is the way to go if you're doing that. Yeah, she uh, she's very careful to say the word to say the words. She's not retiring. She's just not competing anymore anymore we'll put it to that okay way. she stated mental health you know mental health reasons and you know and mm-hmm. you know talked about you know thinking thinking about her family down the line which makes me think that like she might be ready to you know start a family have kids you know she's married married and all that and uh she uh she said she said on arrow hawani show today that she had actually told mick maynard in the ufc before before the uh uh, before her last fight that she was going to retire. So they already knew she kind of just kept it secret until it was, until she had a chance to, you know, get through that fight and make it on her own, <laughs> make it on her own thing. And, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's sudden, but I mean, you know, anytime somebody like that retire, retires, it's, you know, it's kind of like, wow, you know, you're still in your, in your fight prime, but especially for, but for a female who has, who has, you know, bigger plans in life than fighting, you know, it's probably a good, good time at her age. I think she's like, what, 31 or something, something. So her, her, you know, if she wants to have children, you know, her prime, prime years to, 
you know, to have children or, you know, or now and coming up. So, yeah, that's pretty, you know, yeah. and especially the mental health too, too. I would much rather have fighters walk away early for mental health than, than yeah. walk away way too late. And we start seeing, seeing some of these things, some of these things that we've started to see and are going to see more and more of in the future. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, if that, if the featherweight division wasn't already uh, on life support, um, this this one might have pulled the plug, because there's no there's nobody ready to fight Nunez at one forty five, yeah. unless Kayla Harrison makes a jump. Um, someone else that's not going to be fighting at one forty five is Aspen Ladd, who uh, says that she's going to go back to one thirty five, which sounds horrifying, but hopefully it happens. She wants to fight Misha Tate. Yeah, because of. What Misha said about the cor- corner, which I mean, they're both coming off losses. It kind of makes yep. kind of makes sense, but but I I really hope Aspen Lad gets a real nutritionist and real help getting down and getting down safely, because I've witnessed it firsthand, firsthand, and her on a scale trying to make one thirty five, one thirty five or one thirty six is not has not been pretty, and I don't want to. We don't. Nobody wants to see anybody. Anybody. You know, go through the shit she's gone, gone through trying to stand on a scale to weigh yeah. in and fainting and you know falling down. Nobody wants to see that. So hopefully she'll do it, do it right and do it. You know, and and it won't hurt her. Okay, now what's this about Rashad Evans returning? Yeah, Rashad Evans is this a misprint? Nope, he's uh, returning to MMA, returning to action. He's going to fight on Habib's Eagle FC uh, debut show in Miami on oh. January twenty eighth. Doesn't have an opponent, but mm-hmm. he's coming back light heavyweight as light heavyweight, and uh, yeah, don't know who uh, main event for that show is going to be a heavyweight fight between Tyrone Spong and Bigfoot Silva, which <laughs> uh, whatever. Oh my god! Whatever, but I mean, you know, Are, is this going to be on Fight Pass? I I think so. I mean, I think Habib signed okay. a deal with the UFC for Fight Pass for his shows, but they're also you know being in a they're in a like a stage setting in miami which supposedly the okay. the building the people who own that building where the stage is going to be is viacom so it's kind of weird you know <laughs> you know oh, you know okay. but i think well but I, also I, think people, I, uh... I also think people who are bringing that up are trying to make a story out of nothing nothing on that so yeah I don't um I don't watch a lot of regional MMA but I'm not missing a show with Rashad Evans and Bigfoot Silva fighting on it I'll tell you that. So hopefully there'll be a way that I can watch this. Sure. Um and then you want to talk about uh, uh Impa Kazangani. Also there's um, also some fights to do. There's uh, also some you uh okay. you kind of skipped over some fight announcements that I put above Well, that. I did. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, go ahead. So go ahead the I, I want to mention that. There's a few things before I get into the IPA thing because the IPA thing, I kind of want to go on a little bit of a rant about. So, uh, sure, so we'll sure. get into these fights. A uh, couple main events that were announced this past week. Uh, February 5th event will be headlined by middleweight fight between Jack Hermanson and Sean Strickland, which, I mean, that's got title, potential title fight implications on it, you know, or, you know, 
winner will move oh, yeah. one step closer. And then March 26th, uh, UFC Fight Night, uh, headlined by a light heavyweight fight between Jan Blakovich and Alexander Rakic. Uh, you know, Blakovich is going to be coming. It'll be his first fight since losing the title to to uh, Clover. And uh, this seemed like a fight they wanted to book for the last couple we- couple weeks. Uh, you know, and it's for Rakic. If he wins this, he'll probably get a title fight. So kind of, you know, kind of. A big fight. Uh, a fight that is... Okay, I, I don't want to say... It's not official, but it kind of sounds kind of sounds like it's going to happen. On the London show, the main event looks like it might be Darren Till against Uriah Hall. I mean, that's that's what's being... Okay. That's what's being rumored. Uh, rumored, uh, but it's not, not official. Uh, so... The March nineteenth, that makes uh, sense. The February nineteenth is the only other card in the first quarter outside of a couple pay per view events that doesn't have an official main event. So hopefully we'll hear about that soon. But looking like March nineteenth yeah. for Lad and Tate for uh, <laughs> no, that's too soon. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know. Um, so are they? Um, are are the, are we still in the apex for these fight nights as of right now? Uh, Other than the London show, as of right now, yeah. There's really been. It's really been no word, as far as I know. The uh, the January fifteenth show is going to be at the Apex, and I don't haven't heard anything different from after February. I it makes all the sense in the world, right? Well, they'd be it makes all the sense in the world right yeah, now. They'd be selling tickets. Yeah, they sell tickets to the Apex show. It, I mean, it's it oh, makes it makes all the sense in the world right now to keep them to keep them, you know, at the Apex until they can. Until they have the ability to go into all these overseas countries, until that happens, you know, Absolutely. until that happens, you know, it makes more sense to keep them in the apex. And I could see a thing where, where even when they go back to touring, like them having a couple events a year at the apex. So, uh, but anyway, but sp- it makes sense. Uh, speaking of event locations, we finally have an event location for UFC 271 on February 12th, Super Bowl weekend. The card that is. Not a, is supposed to be headlined by Israel or a sign against Robert Whitaker. That's going to be at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. <laughs> I I was gonna ask you if it was going to be Houston, and then I think I thought I talked myself out of it because they it didn't seem like that long ago since they had a show. Yeah, I mean, in they have a deal. Where's the two? They have a deal right now. Where's two seventy one? That is two. That is two seventy one on February twelfth. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Okay, so oh wait a minute. So two seventy one is February. the January February. Show? Okay, I'm uh, sorry. I'm looking at your yeah, comment here, and it I says UFC two seventy two is on February twelfth. Misprint. Okay. 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 I just noticed okay. it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Two, gotcha. Two, so two, where's two seventy one? Two seventy one is February twelfth in Houston. Two seventy is January oh, January twenty okay. second in Anaheim with Nagano and Gone. Anaheim. Okay, that's the one. That's the January show is what I wasn't sure about. Okay, cool. All right, and then two seventy three. Two seventy. That'll be March. Two seventy two is in March. And two. Okay. I gotta shut this thing off so I stop looking at it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, and then now you want to talk about Impa. Okay. So the UFC released Impa Kasangane this past week, which uh, I thought was a really huge surprise. He's a he was a guy who fought twice on the yeah. Contender Series. Who a guy who who they wanted. He was like one of the guys on the last uh, like on season four 2020 you know they wanted him to win because they wanted him they wanted him and they thought he had super amount of potential 
potential, you know, and just, I mean, everything. He went two and two over his first four UFC fight, UFC fights. One of the, one of the losses was that lot knockout to Joaquin Buckley, which went viral. Yeah. You know, that's a, that was a bad loss, but uh, he lost his last fight by knockout, but he won his two other fights. It looked like a guy who was getting better. The reason I wanted to bring this up with, with is if you look at how many fighters have been signed from the contender series, contender series over the year, especially the last three years, last three years, over the past three years, they've signed 106 fighters off that show. This year alone, they signed 39 off the show, which is the same amount of fighters they signed over the first two years of the show, which had six more episodes than this past year. So, you know, we talked about when the contender series was running, how they're signing so many guys, so many guys, so many guys, guys. And Impa, you know, he's a guy who's 20, who right now, he's 27 years old right now. He's nine and two in his career. He went two and two in the UFC and they let him go after four fights. Like, what is the point of signing so many guys off the contender series if you're just going to let them go after four fights unless they go three and one or four and oh? If they go 0 and four, one and three, yeah, I see it. But a guy like Impa who has a ton of potential who still hasn't hit his prime as a fighter, you're cutting him after going two and two, two and two over his first four fight, first four fights. I mean, you could have just not signed him and let him get in some more regional work, work. And now, now he's a 27 year old coming off a UFC cut, not a lot of confidence. It's going to hurt him on the regional, regional scene going back. I mean, I feel like when you sign that, so that many people, Especially like a lot of these guy guys with these you know small records, and then you let them go, you know, four fights in or less, like you're stunning their potential growth from from that. It just, I mean, it almost feels like you're signing guys for the sake of signing them, signing them, and then just you know yeah. just like who cares? I mean, I I think. <laughs> I think signing that many fighters off the contender series and just to let them go in situations like this over within their first four fights, it's just it's rather pointless of to have the show if you're going to do so that. Do you do you think it's money? I don't like that's that was my immediate thought was he maybe he wants more money he thinks he's a bigger name than he is they took they you know maybe they offered him twenty and twenty and he's like no I'm worth more than that and they're like well. No, you're not, and we're not going to sign. I can't see that being reason being the reason because everybody everybody under that standard first UFC deal they know the escalators. You know, you start out at this. If you win your first fight, you go to this. When you win your second fight, you go to this. So if you come to renegotiation time, you know what you're supposed to be making. If you have three wins, if you start trying to renegotiate at a much higher rate than that third win, third win would be you know. You know, you know what, you know what they're going to offer you pretty much, you know? Well, that's what I mean. So maybe he thinks he's worth more than he is because he does have a little bit of a name, um, you know, than uh, most two, two fighters. Like, I mean, I knew that I know the name right away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, fair enough. The hardcore fan. But maybe, hardcore, maybe he thinks he does. Hardcore fans who watch everything, they would know that name to, you know, yeah. he's, I mean, it's a, it's a guy who has 11 fights in his, in his career. No offense to him. Bright future. So was he, was he... Was he actually cut or was he just not resigned? He was released. Uh, that's, that, released. That's, okay, so he still had fights left. That's okay. that's all I know. Okay. Who knows? Who knows the deal? 
the yeah. deal of the word. I haven't heard anything to say he was he was released. I mean, okay, he hasn't fought enough. in three months. Usually, usually when they let guys yeah. go at the end of their contract, you kind of know almost immediately that they're that yeah. they're gone. That they're gone. This is three months later. Three months later, which you know means you wow. Know, but uh, but even but even so, the even besides all that, the point stands like, like if you're gonna yeah, no, your point, the point, your larger, my larger point, point is yeah. like, like don't sign so many guys off the so many of these men and women off the contender series if you're gonna give up, give up on them within their first four fights or less. It's just it's pointless, it's pointless, and you're cutting a lot of, and at the at the same time you're cutting a lot of the fighters who have names and people who like seeing. I get the business reasons of doing so to bring in people like this, who you just let go, let go almost, you know, I mean, he was with the USC for a year. He got, he got, he, his debut was, you know, was August of 2020. His last UFC fight was tw- September, 2021. I mean, like, you know, he fought four times in a year for you, for you, you know, it's just, it's, does it, this this one this one is like you know this one made me really scratch my head more so than the Kevin Lee thing just because just because you know like I said you know yep. he was a guy they wanted off the contender series what does that bode for these guys who like okay we didn't really want you but you had an impressive win so we're gonna take you take you I mean it's just yeah yeah probably probably 19 out of 20 times that a guy gets cut you probably saw it coming long before it happened and this would be one where you're just like what so yeah that makes sense um okay so that's just about gonna do it uh we're not doing best bets but i'm i got a couple uh best bets for you uh props i i, I mentioned earlier uh ryan hall and Derek minner are not going to go the distance so that that prop is currently at minus 135 hop on that before the odds go up and uh also nunez i just noticed nunez winning inside the distance is minus 275 that's free money um so i jump on that too um i don't know if you got anything i I, i'm done i'm done with best bets i'm done with the okay fair enough fair enough fair enough fair enough um yeah we're we're done we i'll I'll leave for this year i'll I'll leave i'll leave the best bet stuff to the those guys on espn whatever his name is you know johnny the creek who gets paid to give you that that information you can blame him instead of blaming blaming me who blaming me for you losing your bets at least he's getting paid at least he's getting paid to give you bad advice I won. I won two bets last night at the Jets game because there's a little sticker on the uh, on the side of the seat that you just click your QR code and it takes you right to a betting site where you can bet on the game. And I bet on the Jets to win and I bet on over six goals and I won both. I bets. feel like so I do. I, I that's my best. I feel like week. I do better with betting advice. Just trying not to help others. <laughs> so there you go yeah that makes sense all right so uh that's gonna wrap it up we had a bit of a longer show than usual but it was a loaded show and we had a lot to talk about and probably more we could have so uh ryan uh why don't you take us home all right i hope everybody enjoyed the show everybody have a great week enjoy the fights this week later <laughs>